Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So, here we are. Real talk with real people, sharing stories and perspectives that spark provocative invitations to leap out of what's safe. On the edge of every day. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Thank you for joining me on the edge of every day here on talkradio.nyc. Tonight, we are live in the hive with Karen Hinton, author of the best-selling book, Penis Politics, a Memoir of Women, Men, and Power, for our 51st episode entitled The Edge of Silence. As Karen so deftly and courageously explores in all the stories she shares in her unapologetic and powerful book, when it comes to the broad spectrum of sexual abuse and misconduct, what is the price of silence? For those of you who have become loyal listeners here on the Edge of Every Day, thank you so, so much for spending time with me and my guests. Our numbers are growing, and I have you to thank. I couldn't do it without you. Please continue to share this podcast with friends and family and take a moment to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Sandra Bargeman on the Edge of Every Day. And if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to The Edge. If you like what you hear and you want to check out my past episodes with my inspiring guests, you can find them on talkradio.nyc, on your favorite podcast platforms, and on my YouTube channel. Again, that's Sandra Bargeman on the Edge of Every Day. This show is about pushing boundaries and exploring rough edges. Through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful, those places where we are resistant to change, where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and in our understandings, both internally and about the world around us. Listen, we live in edgy, tumultuous times, and people are complex. The more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So, thanks again for tuning in. And without further ado, it is time to introduce our guest this week. Mississippi native. Karen Hinton is a nationally recognized media professional in Washington, D.C. and New York, best known for her role as press secretary to both former housing secretary Andrew Cuomo and former New York City mayor Bill de Blasio. Hinton played a powerful role in the clash between Cuomo, now the former governor of New York, and Mayor de Blasio. The New York Times called the clash one of America's ugliest political feuds. Hinton cut her teeth as the press secretary for the first 
black congressman from Mississippi since Reconstruction in 1986. The Democratic National Committee hired her in 1989, serving a similar role for Ron Brown, who was the first black chairman of the DNC and a key political strategist to elect Bill Clinton as president. In 1995, Hinton joined the Clinton administration as press secretary for Cuomo at the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. During that time, President Clinton began to face charges of womanizing and worse. Hinton later relocated to New York and be became Mayor de Blasio's press secretary. She found herself at the center of the crossfire between longtime frenemies, Cuomo and de Blasio, becoming, often becoming, the subject of news coverage herself. Hinton was at the peak of her career when a catastrophic brain injury from a freak accident confronted her with the battle of her life. Emerging from a coma, learning to walk and talk again, Hinton was determined to speak up, not shut up, on issues involving women, men, and power in politics. She is the author of the best-selling book, Penis Politics, A Memoir of Women, Men, and Power. Hello, Karen, and welcome to The Edge of Every Day. Well, hello back, and I am so happy to be on your show. I couldn't wait. So here we are, 2023, and I'm the 51st show. Yay. <laughs> right? And happy, happy, happy new year to you. Happy new year. Thank happy you. Happy holidays. Yes, indeed. Well, I, I'm just blown away by your book. Oh, Folks, blown away by this relentless, vulnerable, vulnerable book. And I can't wait to dive into it, but we're going to warm into it a little bit first. So what I like to do is tell my guests how I come to have, or tell my listeners how I come to have my guests uh, on the show. And I love the connection that you and I have. Um, I've come to know Karen through a dear friend of mine, Leslie Michaels, who has also become a good friend to you now, correct? Yes, she has, definitely. And I love her book um, about the women who are really engaging in such powerful ways across the country, across the globe. So um, she's a terrific host, as you are. Oh, thank you. Yeah, she's got a fantastic podcast. Shout out to Leslie Michaels, um, Women We Should Know. And the book that Karen just mentioned um, is On the Shoulders of Mighty Women. And I have a contribution in that book. And if you want to check out um, anything about Leslie, you can listen to the episode number 30 on my YouTube channel. But that's how we came to, to meet. And, and, you know, please, I'd heard about your book. I was thrilled that Leslie knew you. I mean, how could we not get all excited about penis politics? It was Thank so you. spot on and so provocative. And it just was like, Bam! There's no messing around here. There is no political trying to be all sweet and nice about and savvy about sexual harassment. I love it. Well, I couldn't agree more, obviously. <laughs> I came up with the title. Um, but I did want a shocking name 
to draw attention to a problem that all women, and if they haven't experienced sexual harassment, abuse, violence, rape of some sort, then they know a woman who has. Yeah. And it's very important that we draw as much attention to this as possible because it's part of our everyday life. Um, You know, it's part of junior high school, high school, uh, college, sports, (laughs) you know, and no matter your age, whether you're a young soccer player or an older basketball player in women's sports, it's a a dynamic, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also at home in romance and in every industry that we have from the movie industry to your local grocery store. Truly. Yes. And so we, that's why we really have to bring this discussion and make everyone have a wake up call about the problem and really start to deal with it. Yeah, totally. Uh, You know, and it's, uh, it's such a great shocking name and it really just makes every, uh, you know, there's no, as I said on my social media, somebody said, I love the title. And I said, you know, and I think every single woman on the face of the planet loves that title and gets it, but, but it's not, it's not just the women who get it. It's the men who get it. But uh, listen, I, I, we're going to dive into all of that. I, I really do want to answer or want you to answer one question that I've really come to love asking my guests because it's, it's a fascinating way to hear how they distill uh, every woman and man that I have on the show, but generally I have more women on the show. Um, the, we wear so many hats. Yes. We do so many things. And so I love to ask everyone, of all the hats and all the identities that are related to all of those hats, what identity do you, Karen Hinton, lead with in your life? Oh, that's a terrific question. Um, And I'm glad I have an answer because, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because um, I um, adopted my daughter, uh, Tally, And I had tried to get pregnant for several years and I uh, stuck myself with needles uh, coming out of the infertility (laughs) um, recipes that they have, you know, science. It gets into that in the book, folks. It's beautiful. Yes, I I talk about that. But I am so glad that I didn't get pregnant because as a result, I got Tally. And we went to Russia to adopt her. Back then, you could adopt from Russia. You, they won't, the Russians won't let you adopt now. Um, and uh, we went, we explored Russia a little bit. And, um, and that was tremendous for me, you know, to have that experience. And then to meet her there. And, you know, through the years, she has grown and developed and, she is the smartest thing on the planet and the funniest thing on the planet. And um, I love her dearly. So every morning I look at my, my calendar on my phone and I see all the things I want to do for Tally today. And she tells me to stop doing them. Mom, you're a helicopter mom. Stop doing it. Stop <laughs> doing it. <laughs> but I still love it. So there. <laughs> I love that. So you lead with your sense of uh, motherhood, but I would also say probably you, having read your book and the f- chats that we've had, 
an upliftment and a nurturance for women in general, particularly young women. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, well, I'll, I'll make this short and you tell me to hush if I go on too long. Um, but the reason I started writing the book um, was I found a diary in my attic and I was sort of cleaning up and organizing the attic, which you never really ever do, right? And, um, and we always say we're going to do it. We always say we're going to do it. And um, I didn't succeed because I found, but I did find the diaries and I started reading them. And I found all of these stories about um, my life as a teenager from like 1974 to 1976. And I went, wow, I said that. Wow, I thought that. I can't believe that didn't happen. <laughs> you know. And I just read and read. And I I started trying to, you know, call people and say, was that is that the way that went down really when we were juniors and we were playing basketball on the women's basketball team? And um, so all these memories really came flooding back. And uh that was just a a great way for me to engage around the Me Too movement. Yes. Um, that was underway at that time. And, uh, you know, I said, what can I do to help a young woman now that I'm 64, right? What can I do to help a young woman um, not make the same mistakes that I made? And that is my book is full of my own mistakes because <laughs> I oh. couldn't write a memoir without writing about my mistakes. Well, hey, mistakes make great stories and mistakes hey, are very human. And, you know, we wouldn't have stage or film or, you know, we wouldn't have human lives if we didn't. And we wouldn't excel in life yes. if we didn't make mistakes. Well, that's a perfect seg for when we come back, uh, understanding penis politics, that your uncovering those diaries is what contributed to penis politics, the book even coming into the world. But we're going to dive into that more fully after our break on the edge of every day with Karen Hinton. Stay tuned, everyone. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you? 
Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Oh my goodness. Well, before we dive in, I, I, I just want to, I want to read this from the back book cover for our listeners. Hinton's book, this is by uh, part of a review by Mara Gay, New York Times editorial board member and MSNBC political analyst. This was so spot on. I could so feel you this way throughout the entire book. Hinton's first book is brimming with the steady perseverance, relentless ambition, and maddening frustrations of a talented woman who found her way in a world dominated by men less talented than she. Now it's her turn to tell her story, and Hinton, a longtime keeper of, of secrets, spares no one. I absolutely love that. And and I don't know, and you started to reference Me Too. I don't know any woman on the planet, to get back to what we were finishing up in the last uh, segment, that can't relate to that. Yes. Be feeling as though they are swimming, doing circles, knowing, doing circles, and not being able to push around some of this. But anyway. Penis politics. Mm-hmm. How did you come up? How did you coin that brilliant, brilliant? How did, like, do you remember when it first flew out of your mouth? I do. Um, it was a, a few years ago. And my husband and I were having a debate about uh, the, the Me Too movement and the dynamic between men and women in the workplace and, you know, we had our own little secrets uh, to tell. And uh, and at some point, I just got aggravated. And I said, this is nothing but penis politics. It's all about the penis. It's all about the penis. And I said, you know, I said, we had something called uh, uh, vagina mon- monologues. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, <laughs> this is penis politics, mm-hmm. right? And there's nothing wrong with using the word penis. Um, I, I like to say that because it's a body part, just like the arm, just like the ears. It's a no, body but, part. But it, it sends you right, right immediately, just sends you right immediately. I, I somehow I had thought you that flew out of your mouth years ago, but, <laughs> but I love that it came then. Yes. 
So it's definitely inspired by that whole dynamic going along in, in society then talking about it much more openly than we ever had. Um, and it just became clear, I think, to many women um, that it's really about power, control, and authority, mm. not by all men, but by some men in all walks of our lives who, mm. who need that, who need that power, need that control, need that authority. And men and women really need to stand up and say, this is wrong. This is what we need to change. Let's figure out how to make that happen. Indeed. And so those, those books that you found and those journals that you found and you went back, they began helping you to think about writing this book. Am I correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, as you mentioned in the opening, I had fallen off of a treadmill in a gym in Mount Kisco, New York, um, that I was a member of and had fallen off the treadmill uh, and hit my head on very hard concrete floor, oh. uh, mysteriously covered by a very thin uh, piece of carpet. Right. And I had no idea the floor was that hard. Um, but I hit my head, busted my skull, and had a brain that was inflating very quickly. And I had to have immediate surgery to um, basically take a part of my skull out to let give my my brain room to grow and then deflate. <laughs> That's these are my this is my language, not my doctor's. <laughs> um, but. Uh, uh, but I had to, I went through all of that. Um, and when I finally became conscious, and this was almost How two, long? Uh, yeah, two yeah, months, wow. two months, I have no memory of two months. This was back in 2017. I lost two months of that year because I don't remember anything about it. But when I finally woke up um, and I knew it was very hard for me to accept that I was different. The old Karen, I thought I could get her back. And to this day, I haven't really for many reasons, but I was fighting very hard to get the old Karen back. <laughs> and I needed to, I had to practice uh, on writing, re uh, reading and talking because I had lost words. Um, I couldn't get my brain to organize thoughts so if I was writing even an email, it would take me much, much longer than I needed before the accident. Right. So anyway, but it was just a very, uh, a road to recovery. And I'm still on that road for, for many reasons. But one of them that helped me was taking that diary. And I read a lot of it to my husband. And he said, these are hilarious stories. And some of them are tearful. And some of them are, are laughable, but why don't you write them down? It's a way for you to help bring back your writing skills. Yes. So that's what I did. And that was really the start of it. It didn't really lead to a book until I just started getting better at putting my thoughts all together. But it took a long time. It, it took me uh, three years to write it. And um, I had uh, some editors <laughs> who helped me get it to where it is now um 
but it was an important thing for me to do, given my injury, because if I had not had the injury, I would not have written this book, I don't think. Because wow. I would have just, I would have just kept working in New York City, right? And, and the PR. old Karen wouldn't have. The old, the old the Karen, new Karen would, right? Exactly. The old Karen would never stop working, right? right. <laughs> never stop trying to uh, be involved in some kind of advocacy uh, plan that a nonprofit had, yeah. and I still want to do that today, but I do it in different ways than I did it before. This gives me so, such chicken skin, chicken skin, like the boom, like horrible, but, and yet you came out of that with a gift to women at a time when we need this kind of book. So anyway, you're, you, I'm so thrilled that you are on the road to recovery and, oh, <laughs> And there's much to unpack there, but we only have an hour. So I'm going to keep moving forward yes, and, and, and going into there's a story in that those um, childhood journals that connects with the rest of these experiences that you have had in your political career and boom, that made the connection for you. What tell yes. us that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I didn't, wasn't able to get it all together until probably about a year and a half into the book. And I realized, you know, before the accident, I was who I was because of the experiences I had had, not in politics, not on Capitol Hill, but in so-so Mississippi, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. in my uh, high school days, and especially as a basketball player. Um, because basketball sports for women is so important. It makes you tough. It makes you build confidence. I played. Yeah, exactly. Good for you. <laughs> and even if you're not great at it, which yep. I wasn't, but I still played it and I loved it. Mm -hmm. I say women, find, find a path like that. It doesn't have to be a sport. It can be an art. It can be, you, you know, yoga. Right. Be, you have to find that thing that builds your confidence. Anyway, um, I think that, that um, uh, getting on that path um, was so important um, see, I've lost my train of thought here. So I'm, I'm, I'm going back to um, the person. One thing that happens to me because of my injury, this happens to me all the time. And I just want to kick myself when it does. <laughs> Could you help me go back? Of course. And your vulnerability is powerful. And everyone is in your corner. My goodness. So where I was leading this was to talk about your friend and the, the, yes, the coterie. Yes. No, no, no problem. So I realized that this was about my high school days and, and a very, I had three close, close friends and we were tight. The, all four of us, we did everything, anything we decided to do that was different. We got permission from the group or we got buy-in of some sort. Right. And we were so close to each other and loved each other. And one of them was raped by a school official in the school book room. And she uh, calls us one afternoon, calls me one afternoon and says, we have to get together immediately. I have something I need to talk about. 
And I said, well, of course, you know, and I'm thinking it'll be who's she going to go out with now or what dress is she going to wear when we go to the, the prom or whatever, you know, right. And, um, but we, we took our vehicles over there and went to her house and sat down with her. And she told us the story of what had happened earlier in the day. Um, and we were, we didn't know how to process it. Yeah. And she had been raped by. Yeah. Uh, Someone who had been a coach, but had been promoted to an assistant principal and he, she had known him as a coach and she had always looked up to him Mm. and she thought a lot about him. And so he then approaches her and she is not willing to do what he wanted to do in the locked book room of the school where she was happy was working that summer uh, they had hired her to help organize the books and he knew she was in there and that's how he went in and locked the door and and she of course was devastated by this her whole life changed as a result of it um she didn't finish high school um she decides to marry someone in the military she's she's 17 then and she doesn't graduate and we are desperate to find ways to help her, but we don't know what to do. Right. And this is the, the tragedy of the power of silence. Right. And nobody did. Nobody was talking about it. And she wouldn't let us tell her parents or the principal or somebody, right? She wouldn't let us do it. She said, if you talk about this, they will say, that, you know, I just have a crush on him. And that's why I'm making all this up. They'll say I'm a liar that, you know, she, she knew she was so incredibly smart. She knew what was going to happen. And so she said, no, do not talk about it. And so we were sworn in into silence, the edge of silence. Right. And we had to do what she was pleading uh, with us to do. And that's what we did. But I took from that whole experience um, that it it becomes such a part of my life, growing up, getting older, taking jobs in politics, that it impacted the way I felt about certain things and the way that I responded to certain people. Um, Because I no longer trusted that authority figure because the assistant principal was an authority figure. And he had control and power over Janice, my friend. And, you know, that that just, it, in any situation that you hear about now, that just record keeps playing over, over and over. And over and over again. Power, control, authority. Power, control, authority. Even if you own a grocery store, right? Yeah. And you've got someone, one woman working for you. Yeah. And you're a man and you go after her. Well, Man, that is tough for that woman because mm-hmm. she's likely to have children. She can't just quit her job because she needs the job. Right. Where is she going to find another job? What right. if she says something about it? Will she get fired and no one will believe her? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's that's why I think it's very hard to do, but women have to stand up and tell their story when they can. Um, so that this becomes 
a wake up call, as I've said, a clarion call to women, clarion call. Thank you. Empower them to, to speak out. Well, we've got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue with the edge of silence and how that eats away. It ate away at choices made life paths. It ate away at all of your friends and how they moved out into the world And it eats away at, at, I know, some men who are put off by that and not speaking up. That silence just devastates in the tendrils go on and on. But I also, when we come back, folks, stay tuned because as New Yorkers, we're going to hear about Andrew Cuomo. We're going to hear about a lot more in our third section when we come back with Karen Hinton on the edge of every day. Stay tuned. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with our wonderful guest, Karen Hinton. So, wow. Um, yeah, the clarion call. I mean, this is the, 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 the major statement of the book, inspiring women and men to find the courage to speak out, speak up. And, and all of this is coming through with me too. But what I, uh, what I love that your have shown a light on is that it's also it it's with every level of 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 the economy i mean it's poor women it's everywhere as you've said it's everywhere it's in the grocery store it's in the diner it's everywhere and women poor women often don't feel even wealthy women have been afraid to speak out yeah absolutely 
powerful women afraid to speak out? If they're afraid, then how are these, you know, women who have, as you said, uh, children at home, they, they, um, and they're afraid that they can't find another job right. and that, that, you know, they, they feel helpless and it's in it, it, it's all about this power and dominance, power and dominance. Exactly. Oh my, well, I have to d- dive in with the, the Andrew Cuomo debacle. You know, we all here in New York state, we all knew that he was, um, a toughie, a bully, uh, wrapped pretty tight, but, you know, he, he is doing some things that, you know, we all love like LGBTQIA rights and women's rights and Gloria Steinem is, is, is commenting on them. And then we learn, we learn that yeah. behind closed doors, it's just another example. So please tell us that story. Well, uh, let me start by saying uh, my relationship with him began back in 1995. Right. And I saw uh, him be inappropriate with a number of women who worked for him. Um, and but at that point in my life, um, I was like so many women today, I was very afraid that if I said anything, it would get me in trouble. I would lose my job. I wanted to keep my job. And so I might moan and groan about it to a friend, but I wasn't being uh, public about it. But everyone who worked for him in Washington, D.C., thought the same thing. I mean, this was not like a well-kept secret, but nobody took it seriously. I mean, look, they don't, they don't take it. Look at what happened to Monica Lewinsky. Now, you know, she, uh, yes, she had this love crush on the president of the United States. I'm sure there are a lot of young women who have crushes on presidents, right? Yeah. On men in power, period. Men in power, period. Right. But she put, she was put in a position where she was allowed to be close to him. And he brought her to that position. Yes. So he was responsible for all that happened, has happened to her since. Because she has no definition of herself except the young woman who right. was having sex with the President of the United States in the Oval Office. And, it was up know, to him to say no. Right. And to right. understand the dynamic. That's right. the point. Exactly. Yeah. And yes, she was older. She was 21, but that is still young. Baby. And she, he is the president of the yeah. United States. And why didn't he stop that? He yeah. should have, didn't. So yes, he went on to do great things as president, I thought. I do too. Um, but you can't excuse him for that behavior and justify it by calling her a bimbo. Right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a dumb blonde. Trailer um, trash, right. Trailer pa- part trash, all of that. So well, anyway, but to get to get back to um, uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo. Andrew, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that guy, right. Yeah, right. I'll him. Uh. <laughs> but 
anyway, so there was a lot of that kind of discussion in the office mm. uh, where people worked for him and everybody knew what he was like. The bullying, yes, but also his flirtation uh, with young women in his office that went on the whole time I was there. So then fast forward 20 years and he then, uh, women, uh, around 11 women, I think, right, came out mm -hmm. and had something to say about his interaction with them, mostly in the office where mm -hmm. uh, they work and where he works. And I was shocked when I heard the story told by Charlotte Bennett, Lindsay Boylan, uh, the woman in Albany, the yes. state trooper. Those mm -hmm. were very serious um, uh, claims that they publicly brought forward, and rightfully so. Indeed. Um, and I was shocked by that because I thought, okay, he's now 62, 63 right. when all this was happening. He's a grown man. He knows better. Why would he put himself in this situation when he wants to win again? He wants another fourth term. So it can be longer than his father served, Mario Cuomo. Right. And and in New York, we were all like, maybe he's going to run for, for presidency. For president, I mean, right. you know, when Trump was in, we were like, oh, he's got to go up against Trump. He will take him alive. But anyway, in this, in this whole digress. time, saying and doing these inappropriate things to young women in his office yeah. or at the mansion, um, when he has huge problems to solve, one being COVID. And, right. you know, he uses that whole CNN press conference series right. to pump himself up in the public eye. And boy, so did it work. Right. So what, so he throws it all away by breaking the very law he sought awesome. to have passed and then signed. Exactly. So, you know, I just, I could not, it was hard for me to believe this was happening because it was stupid, yeah. just stupid that he allowed this to happen and he himself could have stopped it. But he didn't. He continued it, knowing it was wrong, knowing he could get in trouble. And this is why he needs a therapist to work all those things out. Totally. Because, and he, you know, and even now he continues to try to revamp his reputation um, through advertising that he's done and social media that he's done and whatnot um, uh, with the hope of coming back one day. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I personally don't see that happening, but no, who knows? You can't. Not, not with the heart nursing home stuff with the COVID and, right. and, and the nursing, you know, home. he can't, uh, with the momentum of books like yours, I mean, there, we could be just really sad and think, well, he could probably get, th this is the conundrum. Maybe he, he'll get just get around and we won't move forward with this issue of women being shat on. But, but I feel as though we are at a turning point. I really genuinely, I, as far behind as we are, Karen, I feel like your book is so important at this crossroads that we're in. And I think, I think men are, are, are paying attention. And I think maybe we finally teetered over this, 
you know, we, as I say in my opening, we're complex people. We yes. do have paradoxes. All humans walk with paradox. Right. And these powerful men are no different, but my God. Well, he, if he had apologized to those women by being honest, honest forward about what happened, he could have recovered from it and gone on to, to campaign in a fourth term and win office and maybe even run for president. But to this day, he has not apologized for what he, right. he's done. And he continues to criticize and push around lies about, about the women. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is I want to say real quickly is men in the workplace need to be part of the solution. So when they see it happening, they need to go up to the boss or the chief of staff or the uh, attorney, the attorney, an attorney in the company or the, right. the office and say, hey, this is not working for you. Yeah. This is bad. This is going to hurt you and it's going to hurt me. And it's going to hurt the company. And it's going to hurt the company. And so stop it because yeah. it's because it, you can't get away with it. Just stop yeah. it. And men, but men don't do that, you know, and women don't often do it well, either. And that's yeah. something we have to really build and work on to have it happen. Yeah, the the enablers. That's the the, the yeah. women with the internalized misogyny. That's that's just more heartbreaking, even. And I mean, it's understandable, but you know, hey, listen, we've got to go to break. And um, well, hold, and that, we, hold that thought, enablers. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And what what we would what you would give advice to young what advice you would give to to young women, including the enablers, when we come back on the edge of every day with a fantastic Karen Hinton. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody! It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
on the edge of, of every, every day. day. Yes, it rains and it pours in these days. Oh my, the enablers, the enablers. And what can you share, Karen, with about the enablers and about women who need some some advice in this category? I think it's so important uh, to really understand how to avoid the situations that uh, in Cuomo's case, both Melissa DeRosa, who was chief of staff, and then Liz Smith, who was a leading uh, political consultant Mm -hmm. uh, from New York, um, they allowed themselves to just fall into this hole of of misconduct and harassment and abuse and discrimination against women because I think they felt like if I don't stay with him, if I don't manage this into nothingness, so we don't have to worry about it anymore, then I'll be the hero of his, of his problem. You know, I will have solved this problem for him and now I will get positioned better than I've ever been positioned. And I think both of them thought that that was why they were staying. Um, I think as they learned more and more about what was happening, uh, they began in some brain cells up there somewhere to think, oh, maybe this was a mistake. But they never confronted it publicly. They never said anything about it, even when they were having their own doubts. Uh, And today they still remain uh, supportive. And that is just, that is not helpful for women at no. all. And now Liz Smith is backing what off of it because of this book she's got. So she wants right. to kind of clean up her mess. But I'm sorry, I, I, I don't believe her when she says, um, I didn't know anything. That's right. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, Absolutely. Anybody who was in politics knew about it. So, or knew about his behavior. So, uh, but. Having said that, it's it's so important as women for us to be supportive of women who make claims or have allegations. Let let it play out and see if it is truthful that what has happened happened. Because men will deny it. Men come up with the same sort of of um, arguments about she lied, she made it up. I I misinterpreted what she meant to say. She misinterpreted what I. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. But you know, if if you have litigation, and the the judge and the courts determine that there's no charge, then there's no charge, and you move on, and you help the woman move on too. Um, but I don't, it's it's just not uh, acceptable for women to just immediately call woman a liar because they, because they believe in this man, because right. we know, we don't know what really happened or didn't happen. We weren't there. We didn't witness it. There's well, never, there's rarely a witness anyway. Yeah, no, I'm always, my, my phrase is, is for the, these types of women, they have the longest leash. And I just, you know, it, it, it's heartbreaking. And I, I you know, f- for women out there and the men who are listening in, um, here's a couple of crazy statistics. 83% of women, 
43% of women face sexual misconduct in their lives. First time I did, 10 years old. Thank you. Three out of four victims of sexual harassment do not speak up. I mean, the fact that women, knowing full well what we've learned about how people are afraid, women are afraid to speak up, please redirect your thought process about how to support women coming forward. Yeah, that's that is so true. Uh, I mean, one, I think that we have to start talking to our children about the conduct between boys and girls at school, men and women at work. And we have to basically have them understand what that dynamic is and what's happening yeah. when something inappropriate yes. happens. And we don't, yes. we don't do that enough with our children. I didn't do it enough with my daughter. I do it now, but you know, right. back understood. Was, well, we, Hey, our parents didn't do it with us. us. Yes. Right. Right. No, no, exactly. But um, we have to do it young and uh, not wait for them to actually experience both men and women. Both men and women, boys and girls, both men and, and women. both the adults, all the adults have to weigh in together. Right. And it should be part of the family. It can also be part of the school yeah. and it can also be part of the church, um, because I think mm-hmm. all those elements have to come into play so that they really understand why it is so detrimental to not only themselves, but to others around them. And then I think women, when it does happen, mm-hmm. um, they should talk to somebody, even though they may be very nervous about going to human resources or going to a lawyer or telling a reporter, even though they may be too frightened to do that, but find somebody they trust and start talking about it. Because now there's so much out there that you can read and digest and hear about that will sort of help you then make a decision about how you want to move forward on, on your claim, your allegation or whatever it is, or your fear, how you might be able to, to rid yourself of the fear. Or we just um, move through it with courage, d- d- being inspired by books like yours. Well, you finding know, the courage to step forward. Th- thank you. But I also know <laughs> that there are so many places they can go for yeah. help. And I also know that it is very fearful, especially when you're low income, um, because you have so little opportunities aside from the job you have. Um, So and those are the women we really have to help the most. And then let me just say one thing about the legal issues here. Um, We need stronger laws on the books about sex harassment in New York, but in many other states. Oh, yeah. Yeah. New York probably has some of the strongest Strongest. sexual harassment laws, but even the DAs wouldn't file criminal charges against the governor based on New York laws. They said they believe the women, but we don't think we'd win the case. Okay. That's an argument that I could have against that, but nonetheless, that's what they did. So that says we need stronger laws then. And two, there is the word woman does not show up in the U.S. Constitution anywhere. So let's pass the Equal Rights Amendment and put it in the Constitution. President Biden could do that, do that today. Right. He could do it. Bam. 
easy to tell the archives to put it in. Yeah. You know? And yep. he, he doesn't do it once again for fear of losing a legal argument. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, you got to try. Right? Got, you gotta absolutely. Try. The time has come. We are at the these crossroads and it's not like it used to be. We are in a different world and we're moving forward quickly. Listen, yeah. you and I could go on forever and ever. No, <laughs> I have. Oh, well, well, before I thank you, well, you can find Karen Hinton. She's ubiquitous on social media. You can find her everywhere, which I love. Twitter, Insta. Facebook and LinkedIn, and her website is penispolitics.com. It's penis slash politics. Politics, oh, right, dot com. And right. that's going to be in all of our show notes, of course. Okay. Um, but, but, but run, don't walk and get this book. It's Fantastic. And we've just got a, about 30 seconds before we end, Karen. What what what's what last words you want to leave with our listeners? Well, I wanted my I wrote my book so I could tell my stories and the stories of girls and young women and women my age have experienced. And now I want to encourage all women to do the same thing is to tell their stories. Because I think if we all come together and show some loyalty to each other and our problems, it will go a long ways to solving the problem. Upliftment, upliftment, upliftment. Karen Hinton, I can't thank you enough for being on my show. Mm -hmm. This has just been a joy and an honor and a privilege. And to all of you listening in, I thank you so much for spending this time with us. Remember, you are always at the edge of the miraculous. This is our last dance. This is our last dance. This is ourselves under pressure. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? 
Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 